This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann. I am sitting in the side of a busy conference venue at Te Papa. I'm here for ITX, which is celebrating 60 years of computing in New Zealand. And I am joined by Blaine Rakana. Kia ora, Blaine. Aye, tēnā koe, Samuel. How was your bubble life, Blaine? It was, uh, during that time, our bubble uh, for us was... um, when I suppose we had to move, uplift and move everything uh, in back into my own home area. Uh, my wife, who worked at uh, Waikato University as a, a law lecturer, and, and uh, during that COVID time, it was uh, trying to find room to put all our computer equipment and so forth, but we managed. And so I have a, quite a big family, I've got seven children, and um, a Four of those children are all living with me. <laughs> Still, I was going to say those children all have left home, but they're not. They're no, and I wish they would. <laughs> and also their wives. So we all had our own individual areas, and um, I got the the end of the straw with my wife. So she took over my office, and I had to end up down in my garage. So during that winter, it was a rather cold winter, uh, especially for working out and turning that into my office space. But we managed. Where do you live? So I live in Kirikiridoa, in, in Hamilton, Waikato, and I work for the Waikato Institute of Technology. Yeah. What do you do there? So I am the team manager for the Centre for IT. So I look after both our staff and also our students. And so it's a, it's a lovely place, um, the Polytech that I work at, and I've been there working now for about 23 years. And have thoroughly enjoyed uh, my experience of being there. And a lot of friends have asked me, they said, why haven't you gone out into industry? Because you'll make more money there. But I think here for me, it's looking at, and I'm very passionate about the success of our Māori students. And that for me has always been a goal. You could say, Samuel, that um, I'm one of those second chance learners that I started off um, in my education uh, very late. So I came and started. I was a freezing worker uh, and a forestry worker in my young days. And uh, then the industry in the far north where I lived closed down. So I was unemployed. Uh, was made redundant. And so um, it was decided that I needed to go back into education. And thank you to my wife. And um, I've never looked back since. And this is the result of it. And, and so I'd like to share my experiences and my stories with a lot of our Māori students and also our Pacifica students because I think it's, it's inclusive as well. And so uh, it has been so worthwhile. 
that second chance. Did that late start and that coming to it from other things perhaps give you an insight, or does that give you an insight into the, the, the challenges that, that learners are facing? Not necessarily the people of second chance, but even the new ones. Oh, Samuel, you know, what happened was, was that my experiences, and I came back to education in the 90s, and the support um, was probably lacking back then, and I don't think they got it right. The, uh, the education system that I went through, specifically at tertiary, and the support for Māori, it wasn't there. And as a mature student, I'm trying to figure it all out. And of course, um, it was a hard journey. It was a hard road to learn. But I think now, uh, things have changed a lot. That's 20, actually 30 plus years ago. Things have changed now, where uh, it is important that everybody, regardless of whether you're Māori, Pacifica, um, international, domestic students, that we need to be able to look after our students. Everybody is important. And and those first impressions count. You, you tell a story of how when you first went to, to university and it was, it was not a welcoming place and, and you made a promise that that would never happen again. That's true, Samuel. So um, I remember my first interview, and I won't name the university, uh, but, but I remember uh, going to that university and then having um, on the panel five gentlemen and the environment that I was, that my, my parents, my mum and dad and myself and my wife, when my dad is used to the way in which uh, tikanga is followed. You know, it's about the monarchy, it's about uh, the welcoming of, of people. Uh, before we start, get, we get to know each other first before we start getting into business. And I remember that when we turned up in front of this panel, and literally it was just straight into business. Uh, when my dad said to me after that interview, and he said to him, This one place is not a good place for you to be at, he said to him, I think you should consider having a look somewhere else. And I remember those questions that were asked. You know, he said, oh, and one of them was, oh, we see that you have uh, seven children. Uh, how, are you going to, how are you going to survive? Uh, will you be successful because well, you've got all these children? How are you going to look after them? I, and I said, well, that's not your problem. That's, that's my problem. That's my wife and I's problem. And I said, all I want is somebody just to give me a chance. And so... Uh, Naturally, I think um, after that interview, and I had to set an aptitude test and an academic test, uh, they gave me my result about a week later. And in the letter that was sent from the university, it, it had written on it, Dear Mr. Rakana, and the one word that tells it all that I didn't need to carry on reading anymore was, Unfortunately. And so I thought, what a waste of time. So I screwed up that that letter and threw it into the rubbish bin that was it so yes and uh, well and of course my wife uh, she decided well if if that university won't have you we're going to try at another university and and uh, so uh, she had these forms and she said to him here you go fill these forms out and so what university is that and she goes well that's Waikato University 
And so, Samuel, what happened then was, was that I said, well, I'm not going to sign those, those uh, forms. I'm going to leave them. And she goes, no, you sign them. I wouldn't. About a couple of weeks later, my wife, then she comes to me. She goes, we need to go to Hamilton. What for? Well, because yeah, you've got an interview with Waikato University. And I'm going, I didn't fill out the forms. She goes, but I did. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. So we went. The contrast between the first interview and the second was totally different. Uh, this was conducted in, in people who understood about how to manaki, manaki whanau onto their, onto their, uh, their um, marae, their university. And so with that... It was comfortable because I saw some Māori faces on the panel. For my dad, who was with me, to be able to converse in Te Rao Māori with them and for the response to be heard back from Te Rao Māori was when my dad finished, he said, this is the place you come to. And so, um, thank goodness that uh, I got a response back from Waikato University that said, welcome. And so that initial start for me um, was the success for the rest of my whānau, my children, and the extended whānau uh, of allowing me to have that second chance of coming back into education. And you stuck at it, because eventually you got a doctorate in this. I did. Yes, I did, Sam. I, I carried on, uh, finished my degree, then went on to do a master's, and then went out into to work. And of course, yes, I ended up here in Te Panganui Atara for work. And um, of course, one of our key speakers this week was Lance Rinfer, so he, I worked for him, um, going around the mutu, um, teaching our kura kaupapa um, teachers uh, how to use the rorohiko, the computers. And back at that time, it was mainly um, teaching how to use Word, PowerPoint, uh, using the internet. And so you had uh, beautiful experiences of teaching the, uh, some of our elderly teachers how to, how to do that. What we have today, the systems we have today, is a lot more better than what we were trying to teach back, back then. We used poly, uh, polycom systems, uh, phone lines, oh, yeah. yeah, back in the old days. And uh, so... All so, of that. So team. now as, what's the job title, team leader of, of IT, both the technology, the kids that you've come in, it's, it, and, and the, the, the content that you have to cover, it's really easy to get distracted by that, that content, the technical knowledge that you have to cover. How do you maintain that, that monarchy that, that tikanga, how do you not get distracted by the, the difficult technical content? Because th that's sort of like sitting around talking, I'm super characterising here, but that kind of feel-good aspect, does that integrate well into the technical learning? I know with our, with our Māori tōrera, um, the technical side is not enough. You have to have that kanohi te kanohi. Right, the face-to-face -face conversations, it's still important. Um, even though we have things like uh, Messenger, uh, 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 things like Discord and so forth, 
but it's still not enough, especially when we're dealing with, um, and it's not just for our, our Māori tauera, it's for all students, that that uh, face-to-face is still important. Those those conversations, those kōrero, is really important. Uh, technology is great, I have to admit, it is. Um, and it sufficed us when we all got stuck in COVID last year. But yet, um, to be able to manaki, to be able to support each other, uh, is, is also important as well. Just not the technology. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Bruno Mars close the door. Why this one? My wife. My wife, uh, she loves that song. And so she said to me, she goes, oh, Sweetheart, she goes to him, this song reminds me of, of, uh, of us. Uh, together. Actually, that doesn't really sound right, but however, uh, it's got a beautiful tune behind it. Yes.
start of the pandemic, the Director of Education responding to a, a journalist's questions about the distribution of laptops to, um, to schools mm. pointed out that lots of kids didn't have access to that technology. Um, and her response was and her response was that a pandemic doesn't create inequities, it just reveals them. Did you experience those sorts of different levels and the, the inequity in the, your learner group? Well, interesting you say that. Um, we had a very small percentage of our students um, that didn't have access to the technology, mainly laptops and computers. Uh, our courses are designed where it's a BYOD, bring your own device. So a lot of them had their own computers. I suppose studying in the discipline of IT, a lot of students are going to have computers uh, when they start. However, there was a few who didn't have computers, so um, we provided that for them. So our, our services were able to do that. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahunu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mahi aroha nui, kia koutou, ko tāhohau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope, wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day, who you are. A triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here, making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for all of us who have been through such a trying time, such a hard time, over the last more than a year, and I always draw a sense of hope from, of course, looking back through our long history of co-evolution with all life in an infinite web and recognising that these times of stress and struggle and strife, these times that really try us and really provoke us into seeing the world and ourselves differently, are always times of transformation. Whether or not we're consciously aware of this in the midst of it, in the fiery crucible, whether we can really allow ourselves to think of the other side. I do feel that we are engaged in a process of transformation together right now. And for me, being part of the show has transformed me and it's transforming me and I'm so grateful for this opportunity to have these five minutes with you, to be able to recalibrate and reconfigure my daily life into what I hope can be a helpful creative offering. So I want to say a huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team for this time with you. I really love the show and I love that for us as a species in sharing our unique experiences from our unique consciousness. We really encourage each other to grow and transform. And this ability to empathise and to experience another's life by the words that we choose to use, by the experiences that we choose to share, by what our consciousness chooses to observe and to remember 
these are also precious precious tools for our own transformation something that I've been really enjoying is returning to the world of poetry and this is something that's always been a part of my life writing and reading poetry but in the recent weeks I have had more time to return to this world and I've been particularly enjoying listening to Joanna Macy speak about her latest translation with Anita Barrows of Rilke's poetry and in particular their latest translation is of his letters to a young poet and these letters were written more than 120 years ago but they're so relevant to what we are experiencing now and the ability that these wonderful translators have to choose words in English from the original German that really convey that sense of connection to the living world across time and space and to the world of the unseen I am really appreciating so if you do have the opportunity to give yourself that luxury of really delving and diving into language that is meaningful to you I would really recommend it it's been so therapeutic for me over the last few weeks and I think not only is it the language that other people are choosing to use but it's also our own language if you have the opportunity to give yourself that luxury of taking the time to consider which words you want to use to really most aptly convey the meaning that you are finding in the world around you it's such a satisfying process of course whether it's written or spoken language and to really enshrine our experience and to gift our observations and our perceptions to each other this is such a joy and of course in this process of carefully crafting and choosing the language that we most cherish we connect with our ancestors and the process of communication that has been ongoing for so long for us as a species so I really hope for you you have the opportunity to enjoy this creative time travel and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon thanks so much Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Blaine Rakana. Blaine, do you think that the students got through COVID all right? Good questions. When we went into lockdown on the 25th of March eh, of 2020, uh, it meant here was that our students who are used to a face-to-face delivery and then going, going to run which is going to be now delivered entirely online. I would say that some of our students, and I use this as a bit of a, a, a coin, is that we, have, we had the fixed term mindset, and then there was also the growth term mindset. And what I mean by that was the fixed, the fixed termers was that they'd rather be taught in a face-to-face in a classroom. And then all of a sudden you're, you're moving them from out of that, that classroom, that inter- social interaction, into this virtual delivery. And so for some of our growth students, or growth mindset students, uh, they adapted quite quickly to it. 
but yet others didn't. And when I have a look at some of the examples of some of our students, uh, you had those who were mums, and all of a sudden here is that uh, they were trying to balance their their family, along who was who were there in the home as well with them, and trying to do their online uh, sessions with uh, their tutors. It became very difficult. And then we had some students who just didn't deal well with um, with being by themselves in their own rooms as we had quite a few of our students who were boarding uh, we have our own accommodation on our particular institute uh, where they were stuck in their rooms because uh, they had nowhere else to go because their families were overseas so they also struggled as well so there was problems that we had and there were some who didn't do well and yet there were others who who, very, who did really well and um, Using the using the online delivery, that they we've have. seen the the rise of the the concern for well-being. Did you pay particular attention to things to promote the the mental health of the your staff and students? Exactly. Um, I, I think here was is that as a management, uh, we needed to take care of our staff first. And so the way that we did that was is that, um, of course, we had uh, Zoom. We had to move quickly to Zoom. We, could have, we had Teams as well, but Zoom was the preferred way on which our staff wanted to, uh, to use. And, and so every morning, we had, so we had uh, stand-up sessions, which meant here was is that for about the first hour, would have all of our staff who would come in online and then would ask them how they were. So a couple of questions we asked them was, how were you? What are you doing for today? And how could we help uh, help them? And some of our staff, uh, keeping that regular contact with them every morning, um, they were able to discuss their problems, their concerns that they had. And then if there were things that they wanted privately to talk about, and then we would then have that discussion later on a one-to-one, but using Zoom as that media for us to have those communications. Uh, for our students, there were some concerns with some mental health and well-being issues, and so then we had our support staff from our health services at Wintec. They were able to contact them and to, to follow up with them to make sure uh, that everything was fine with them. And it, it could have happened, but not only with well-being, the mental well-being but also physical so food so some of them couldn't afford uh, to get through the week and so then there was uh, a budget that was made available to them uh, from Wintech that helped them to support them and, and buying them food to keep them going. We've talked a lot about the outcomes from COVID one of the things that's been that things are a lot more flexible now, that there's a lot more ability to work from home, which on first sight you would think, well, for like the, the, the woman with families or, or, or guys with families, that that's giving them a lot more flexibility to, to do that. But it also means that they're looking after their families at the same Correct. time as they're trying to work. Yes. Do you think that there is going to be a, a long-term, longer-term sort of fingerprint of COVID, of how we work? Where I am at the moment, um, Sam, is that um, there's allowances for those who can work from home. So it's something that we've inherited and carried on with our staff. 
so uh, for example like myself so I can work from home um, have two days I, I'm still engaged with my meetings and so um, when I am working from home I can also have uh, online meetings with staff or with my managers that I need to have those discussions and I think here is that that's probably a shift before COVID where actually you turn up on your desk and you're there front and center but now with COVID and post-COVID it's changed the way in which now we can work and then it is acceptable uh, that you can work from home um, you can still continue on with the work that's been given to you and as a manager I'm still able to keep in contact with my staff and also with my managers of things that I need to do. Let's sneak in the second of your music choices let's have one love Bob Marley obviously why this one babe this is I gotta tell you as a 18 year old this is going to give away my age 1979 Bob Marley came here to New Zealand Bob Marley and the Railers came here to New Zealand and they came to um, Western Springs in Auckland so I was at a boarding school then and then I I shot off I, I forged my parents' signature so I could go get a, a weekend passed to go into this, uh, to this concert of Bob Marley's. And I remember going there and uh, my first concert ever was the highlight and uh, fell in love, fell in love with uh, the music. So that was my experience um, of why I love that particular song, any music that has uh, Bob Marley in it.
Blaine, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last year. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we've, we've been, we've heard this morning, it's the safe practices. The safe practice of, you know, guys, let's keep on wearing our masks. Let's still sanitise. Let's still scan ourselves using the QR codes that have been made available on, on buildings that you go into, um, keeping safe distances. Uh, I believe now is that uh, the pandemic's not going to disappear, but we still need to be able to, to have those good safety practices and in doing so, uh, that hopefully that, um, that we won't have these outbreaks that we're now experiencing, uh, like out in Melbourne, you know, Brisbane, and so forth. And we're very fortunate that we're living in a country where we're, still, we're at level, level one. And we, we're here at a conference. And at this conference, uh, nobody's been asked to wear mandatory masks. But I think here is that we shouldn't be complacent. Hmm. What lessons do you think we can take for the bigger sorts of questions we, we face? We've been talking about social inequity, um, but also things like climate change these things that can't be solved by us going and working at home for a few weeks but is there things that we can learn from it? Well, I think here it is, is that uh, we, we need to be mindful um, particularly around the climate change um, area uh, my, my daughter actually is part of a working group here with the, the government um, and, about, and around about um, climate change and the effects that it's having particularly here with us here in New Zealand. I think if we tend to ignore it, Sam, is that we're actually going to be punishing our own selves, the, the, the environment that we all live in at the moment. Um, a good example of that here is, and I'll, I'll refer to um, you know, the, the sea levels that are rising now. Uh, we have a beach property that's way up in the far north. And to see that the the sea level that is rising. I remember years ago as a young boy that um, our next door neighbours, they had a lawn and a big huge beachfront. Now that sea level has actually come up to the lawn. The sea, the beachfront has disappeared. And it's horrendous. Uh, you could gently walk down to the beach. Now you're standing on the drop of a lawn before you can step down and climb down onto the beach. And that's, and that's happened probably in the last 10 years. So for a lot of, for a lot of my whānau, we've seen the effects, the damage that uh, climate change has done. And I think it's something that needs to be addressed and addressed urgently and now, if not. Blaine, I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time to do them, so we're going to rattle through them really quick. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? The biggest success for myself here? Oh, okay. Personally, myself, family. Uh, so for me, it's having uh, 14 grandchildren. I love that. Yeah, it's all about the family for me. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. So you're most definitely in that team. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. <laughs> What's the superpower that got you into the mansion? 
the superpower of I can talk my way out of a paper bag. I think that's probably about it. I learned that from uh, when I was younger. Uh, always getting into trouble with the constabulary in our local local uh, town that I was. So yeah, it's talking myself out of the out of a paper bag. That's my superpower. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? I'm a pacifist. I think I would probably call myself um, Sam. Uh, probably in, probably in areas that I should be, but. I'm more of a pacifist, I believe. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Because I, when I go to work, I want to be able to uh, inspire my students that if I can do it, so can they. And so that's why I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or two? The challenge I'm looking forward to? Oh, look, I suppose that's a good question. I think every, every day is a challenge uh, for myself, but the main challenge uh, for myself, um, Sam, is just being a good father, being a good husband, and being a good grandfather. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Yeah, hey, look, uh, I really recommend you having to listen to these, uh, to these recordings uh, from Sam and them. Uh, but for myself here is that um, never give up, uh, keep going, and, I, and I've had that as part of my philosophy in life, is just to keep moving forward. Thank you very much for joining me. You're welcome, Sam. Kia ora. We never spend time talking to you, so we figure we'd lay it on you, let you know how we feel about love. Pretty smile each day. Loving is a blessing, yeah. Never let it fade away. It's all about love, yeah. Build yourself a true romance. Beauty that's around you, yeah. You deserve just one more chance, my dear, my dear. Shine all through your mind, fill your little heart a glow. Take the time, make up your mind. It's all about love, yeah. Talking to yourself is fine, makes you feel much better. Know just where to draw the line, girl, my dear. What do you have?
bound to fall in love one day Surely and you need it Pretty smile will always say, my dear Yeah We want to just take this moment Run down a couple of things about things we see every day. Now, I want you to stop whatever you're doing. Just stop. Because I want to rap to you. You know, they say there's beauty in the eyes of the beholder, you know? Which I say is a natural fact. Because you are as beautiful as your thoughts, right on? You know, like, with us, for instance, you know, like, we've studied all kind of cult sciences and strategy and mysticism and world religion and so forth, you dig? And, like, uh, coming from a hip place, all of these things help because they give you an insight to your inner self. Have mercy. Now, there's an outer self we gotta deal with, you know? like to go to parties, you want to like to dress up, be cool, look pretty, on ego trips and all this. So now, like, hey y'all. You've been listening to Italian Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Earth, Wind and Fire. I'm Samuel Wan. I am at Te Papa today. I am at ITX, which is celebrating the 60th birthday of information technology professionals in New Zealand. I'm here with Blaine Rucker. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.